When you think of the mission of the National Park Service, your thoughts take you to protected wilderness and monuments, not normally proclamations to recognize a month of historic significance, but because of the efforts of the National Park Service, state governments, and citizen activists, we now recognize September as International Underground Railroad Month. Commencing in 2019, Maryland's Office of Tourism initiated this commemoration. The state's governor, Larry Hogan, proclaimed September as International Underground Railroad Month. This set a trend that added 11 more states to the roster of state governments with official proclamations centered around observations of the Underground Railroad's history. And this September 2021, due to the efforts from today's guests, the state of Colorado will become the 12th state to become part of this trend. Today's guests are Roger and Susan Billati. Roger Billati is a deacon of the historic Zion Baptist Church in Denver, Colorado. He's a criminal defense attorney, a former Colorado assistant attorney general, and an instructor of criminal justice at the Community College of Denver. Roger has added to his busy schedule the role of advocate for the design of a proclamation identifying September as International Underground Railroad Month in the state of Colorado, one that has now been signed by Colorado Governor Jared Polis. Roger and his spouse Susan have become part of our podcast team for the series of episodes we are presenting on global abolitionist movements in the 18th and 19th centuries and their influence on the mobilization of the Underground Railroad. Crossings, the Refugee Experience in America, is looking at movements in the world that have challenged oppression and the mechanisms used for reducing harm and bringing persons to safety. In the U.S., while abolitionists sought to dismantle slavery, they also resettled hundreds of thousands prior to and throughout the Civil War. This was through efforts like the Underground Railroad and wartime refugee camps for enslaved persons compelled to flee to safety. So I don't personally have a lot of experience with state proclamations. And I'd like to ask you how this effort came about and what was the role of Zion Baptist in bringing this proclamation to fruition? Susan and I began working uh, on these podcasts. And uh, after one of the meetings, we had discussed the National Park Service efforts to get states, municipalities to recognize September as International Underground Railroad Month. And I checked on that and noticed you can go right to the, web, the governor's uh, website 
And they have a whole section for when you want to apply for a proclamation, all the procedures, it's all online. And I noted there, they don't accept requests from individuals and it's organizations, you know, nonprofits, churches, organizations of that type that can submit these requests for proclamations. So it occurred to me that a very appropriate organization to seek this would be Zion Baptist Church. The reason for that is one of the founding members of Zion Baptist was Barney Ford, who was a very prominent figure in Colorado history and among the African-American community in the 19th century. And the National Park Service has designated the Barney Ford Building, which is located down at 1514 Blake Street here in Denver, as an underground railroad site, which is very rare in this part of the country. Most of these sites are really back along the Ohio River, and Maryland, and the Upper South. Uh, places like that where the railroad was really active. He was born into slavery in Virginia. He, with the help of his mother and some others, he was secretly educated in how to read, which was uh, something the slave owners and slave power in the site uh, precluded uh, slaves from doing. In his late teens, he escaped from slavery and he made his way up to Chicago with the help of the Underground Railroad. Once he reached Chicago, uh, he's working as a barber, but he became very active with Henry O. Wagner, another prominent black abolitionist and associate of Frederick Douglass. Uh, he was very active in the abolitionist movement, and he was very active uh, in the Underground Railroad effort. Uh, later in 1860, he would come out, came out to Colorado with his wife, became a very prominent, uh, excuse me, entrepreneur here, and did a lot for the, uh, the community here, uh, the African-American community, very prominent political, social, business figure. And given that connection with Colorado and his connection with Zion Baptist, I secured uh, the support of Pastor Frank Davis, who's our pastor, and the head of our deacon ministry, Michael Sanderson. And with their support, I went ahead and made the application for the proclamation. Uh, submitted it and uh, was approved last week. And that's how it came about. Thank you for that. I'm glad you've made the mention of Barney Lancelot Ford. We're designing a forthcoming episode on this transformational black leader, his connection to abolitionist Henry Wagner of Chicago and Frederick Douglass. An important part of the story that we want to go forward and tell and the connection to Colorado which is not always seen as having a uh, historic connection with abolition and the Underground Railroad. Zion Baptist, and as I understand it, this is the oldest African-American church in the Rocky Mountain West. Its leadership in the congregation 
have they made other efforts to integrate anti-racism and social justice into the mission and work of the institution? Yes, yeah, so let me point out something of historical interest here. Uh, in the late 1880s, around the time they formed a prison ministry, uh, public executions were quite common in Colorado. The last public execution was a black defendant who had been convicted of murder here in Denver. And before he was executed, uh, there was members of Zion Baptist that uh, attended to his spiritual needs. And these public hangings became, you know, were quite a spectacle. And the church was instrumental at that time in efforts to get Colorado to abolish uh, public executions. And that was the last one I know in Denver that occurred at, until the law was changed. Also, uh, I believe in the mid-1920s, Zion hosted the, the National Convention of the NAACP. And the church, through its members, its members are involved in various activities which they bring to the attention of the church, which touch on these social justice issues. Uh, recently, I think the most important thing they've been doing, uh, Zion Baptist has been doing a great job in during the COVID pandemic, which is one of the most pressing issues. And especially African-Americans are particularly vulnerable to COVID. And they've done a great job in getting, helping get the community vaccinated and providing information. Yes. Uh, it, it was interesting to note that the governor actually came to Pastor Davis and said that he wanted the Colorado Public Health and Environment Department to set up a vaccination clinic in Zion Baptist Senior Center. The church owns a senior center that administers to the elderly and provides programs and activities as well as residences for seniors. So um, Colorado Public Health Department and Environment uh, partnered with the church and set up a vaccination clinic um, on, I believe, three separate occasions. One of the first in Denver and um, were able to vaccinate a lot of the members of the Black and other persons of color community here in the Denver area. That was a great accomplishment. And that's been an ongoing uh, effort. And another thing I would like to point out is uh, Zion Baptist is, first of all, a Christian church. Now, in, historically, it's a Black church, but all people are welcome there, and of it, no matter what their race or ethnicity. One thing he often speaks about is voting, and Zion really has been encouraging people to get registered to vote, and this is just ongoing. This has been for quite, uh, since I've been there, I've noticed this, and it's always been going on. Voting is a very significant thing to the African-American community. I know as I was coming of age during the civil rights movement, people were literally dying and being severely injured in the efforts to register people to vote in Mississippi and some other states. Pastor has always emphasized that to the congregation to register and to vote. Doesn't tell you who to vote for, but 
participating in that process, the history behind that is very important there. One of the things that the church is very active in also from a social justice standpoint is administering to the unhoused. Several times a year, they open their doors to the unhoused in our community to feed them, especially at Thanksgiving, to provide clothing. They take donations to provide haircuts and other services. Um, the church does that several times a year. Yeah. And there's a family resource center where people can come for food or items of clothing and things of that nature. And that's ongoing. Yeah. That's all year round. Right. So thank you, Roger, Susan. And I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say that Janice and I and the now growing Crossings Refugees team are very excited to have you as part of the series, the construction of episodes on themes of abolition, the Underground Railroad, the connection of modern immigrant and refugee experiences in our country to these events in our history. What do you hope to achieve with the media we are designing and publishing together? I would like to see broader awareness that we uh, share this information with people who may not be aware of some of this information, people who, ha who went through their high school and or college courses and didn't get some of this information, especially in the lower grades, K through 12. I would like to see some of this information introduced to school children at a relatively early age when they are most sponge-like and can easily absorb information that they can then take into their young adulthood. More education, broader education, more people learning things that they may not be aware of. And those who are aware may be looking at things a little differently. And I think what's very important is as the history has developed, uh, you need to kind of correct the history, the slants or the perspectives that have been there for a while. I think the role of African-Americans themselves uh, in the abolitionist uh, story in the Underground Railroad uh, really needs to be fully developed and the people made aware of it. What it brings to mind and what I hope the podcast helped to explain to people is that resistance to slavery has been going on since the beginning of the uh, European slave trade. Slaves have been rebelling, resisting in other ways, escaping from slavery since the, the from the beginning of slavery. The Underground Railroad was an effort by both black and white people. It was a co collaborative effort and it illustrates the spiritual aspect in the sense that human beings long for freedom, that they seek to be free people in independent to really accomplish the the ideas of the Enlightenment, which were, you know, vaguely against slavery, but 
in terms of American history, with the Second Great Awakening, the evangelical religious movement in the late 18th, early 19th century, was really the beginning of the abolitionist movement uh, itself in this country. And it shouldn't be downplayed the part that various churches and people who are motivated by spiritual motivation were active in the abolitionist movement and the part that it played and how slaves sought their own emancipation. Barney Ford's a perfect example of that in that he um, self-emancipated and with the help of the Underground Railroad, that's why it was there. So that history really needs to be explained, brought out, and emphasized. And we're really celebrating in September as a result of the fact that so many prominent leaders in the abolitionist movement self-emancipated in that very month. And specifically September, yeah, it points to Harriet Tubman, I believe, and to Frederick Douglass, both self-emancipated in September. And that's really why, where the month comes from. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Roger, Susan, I'd like to ask you, what moves you to pursue personally manifesting social justice, equity, and inclusion into our communities, and maybe even specifically involving communities of privilege in this work? Can I start with you, Susan? Yes, thank you. Being Jewish and white, part of being Jewish, there is a responsibility that we're taught from a very young age to help others, to improve the world, to leave it a better place than we found it. Uh, We use the phrase tikkun olam, repairing of the world. It's really something that has been a part of my life ever since I was a child. Growing up in New York City, which has often been referred to as the melting pot, I saw great numbers of people who are diverse, and yet wasn't until I got to high school and they had started busing in the 60s that we had what was referred to as an integrated high school. And I had experience of being in class with Black students, getting to know them, and they came from the same kind of middle-class background that I did. It's just that I didn't know anything about redlining. I didn't know that they weren't allowed to live in my neighborhood. It wouldn't even have occurred to me because here we all were kind of in the same economic strata in class together. And it just became really clear to me that one of the things that I could do and should do was to make sure that things changed. And so, of course, I was active in the 60s in the civil rights movement. I know the things that I taught my children as I grew up. And one of the things that really hit me recently when I heard the phrase white privilege is trying to connect the dots as to what that meant. And someone put it really, really succinctly when they were saying, how Black mothers have to talk to Black sons. And I realized that any time that my boys, I have two sons, were stopped, you know, for a traffic infraction or speeding, 
All I ever worried about was the points on their license and how much this was going to cost me. It never in my wildest imagination concerned me that they weren't going to come home because a police officer was going to shoot them. And that's when I realized that anything I thought I might have accomplished in the 60s hadn't really been accomplished. And so it was now time to get serious. And for me, my uh, childhood and adolescence corresponded with the civil rights movement. I've always been just keenly aware of racial issues. And it's always been something I've been trying to figure out. I remember when I was seven years old, listening to a radio news broadcast about the uh, violence that was being encountered down in Little Rock, Arkansas, when they were integrating Central High School there and wondering what that was all about. Part of my ancestry comes out of the Upper South and Missouri. Having that history behind me, the racial history, the slavery and whatnot, I feel an obligation to work against racism, to promote social justice in my own life, with the proclamation, with these podcasts, that's one part of that uh, that I try to do and in my teaching. When you teach criminal justice here in the United States, the racial aspects of it are very much a part of it. And I try to make my students aware of the history so they can understand the events that are going on around us right now. Hopefully make the improvements in criminal justice, which has had a lot of problems in this area, try to do something to make people aware of that, and especially the people that are going to work in the area, and to try to make for a better world in that respect. Roger, Susan, it's been my great pleasure to hold space for a conversation with you. The great work that has been done now in adding Colorado to a map of U.S. states that are observing International Underground Railroad Month. Thank you again for joining us today on a Sunday afternoon. Our pleasure. Thank you for having us. Thanks to our guests, Roger and Susan Bilotti, and the Zion Baptist Church of Denver, Colorado. This episode was co-produced by Janice Pugh Waller. Music by John Orr Franklin. Find us on Facebook at Crossings Refugees and read the Governor's Proclamation on Crossings, the Refugee Experience in America.blog on WordPress. Remember, September is International Underground Railroad Month. I'm producer and host Vince Hostack. Thanks for listening. <laughs>